This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Interviews. Hello and welcome to an edition of NL Conversations. I am Meghnath. I am associate editor at News Laundry and I am here with a very interesting personality today. And I, I really, I, I'm, I was looking forward to sort of having a conversation with him because he's a public policy nerd much like me. And he's, he's a much more uh, well-read nerd also than me. So <laughs> uh, it's always great to talk to nerds. And uh, let me just uh, introduce him to you first. Uh, he's the co-founder and director of Takshashila Institution, and which is an independent center for research and education in public policy. Please say hello to Nitin Pai. Hi, Nitin. Hi, uh, Meghnath. I'm glad you used the word institution. Yeah. A lot of people call us the Takshashila Institute and we are at pains to tell them that it's an institution. Yes. Institution is a place where they keep, you know, people who are not quite right in the head. I Oh, oh wow. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's why you call yourself <laughs> an institution. That's amazing. Um, and his uh, current research includes geopolitics of the Indo-Pacific, uh, defense economics and the politics of radically networked society. So the last one is what I'm going to talk about also today because that, that is the one area which I'm very interested in. Uh, apart from that, uh, Nitin also teaches international relations and public policy at Takshashila's graduate programs. And he is a columnist in uh, Business Standard and Rajasthan Patrika in Hindi, right? Um, did I miss that's an older one. I, I am on the, I do write columns for Business Standard, but yeah. my, my uh, columns are now in the print and the mint. Oh, amazing. So there are two more names, print yeah. and the mint. So please follow his columns on all of these newspapers. I was very interested um, in talking to you also for one very, uh, I think a personally motivated reason also. Um, I've been trying to sort of figure out uh, ideologies and what they mean in India largely. And you're one of the people who does describe themselves as center-right, I think, Nitin, if I'm not wrong. Well, I actually don't do, I mean, yeah, you would call that center-right. But, you know, I've always said that the left and right, as far as India is concerned, are very bogus and very misleading uh, right. labels. Right. There is a left. Certainly the left is very well clear uh, about what it is and what it stands for. But everybody else is always some kind of flavor of the left. You know, <laughs> they're not really, they're nobody. I mean, uh, if you call yourself the right and you don't believe in free markets, economic freedom and liberty, then uh, it's very hard for you to believe that this is the right. So hmm. uh, I would try to stay away from labels, but I would hmm. like to... Uh, carve out something called liberal nationalism. Nationalism doesn't have to mean uh, illiberalism. Nationalism okay. can be very positive, can uh, be liberating, can be socially transformative as it has been in India. So my argument has been that you can be a liberal and you can be a nationalist uh, mm. only in India, right? It's not yeah. so easy to be a liberal nationalist in other parts of the world. Right. But in India, it's very much possible to be that. If, if I may, uh, for the for the ease of the listeners, we should just also like define what we also mean by nationalism and liberalism. According to me, uh, liberalism sort of means someone who believes in personal liberty. And um, a broader definition would be someone who is just a generally curious person who looks at other uh, ideologies and tries to adapt the better things from that ideology within itself. That is at least how I look at liberalism. 
whereas um, nationalism would be something who puts the nation as a collective before themselves so which kind of goes against individual freedom and liberty what do you think nitin yeah see i think uh, you could uh, you could oversimplify it uh, uh, and make it that hmm. but you know there's always been nuances right liberalism yes, classically means that you believe in individual liberty right? yes. you believe that the individual is at the center of society uh, and individuals have rights and nobody uh, including society has greater priority over the individual and the individual liberty and individual rights right so from that uh, emerges the idea of free markets from that emerges the idea of democracy from that uh, emerges the idea of a liberal democratic republic that we all live in a uh, nationalism on the other side is a very complicated thing because there are various hmm. strains of it right hmm. there are people who believe that nations are you know born out of uh, familial links you know blood links so hmm. if you are if you are of a particular color of a particular ethnicity then you get to be, be part of this nation hmm. and anybody who is not of this uh, genetic makeup is not a member of that nation right, right. but that biologically seems very uh, very very iffy i mean mm. what's the difference between a german and a frenchman right yeah. uh, they are more or less the same yes. uh, if germany and france can be nations why not tamil nadu and andhra pradesh right? That's the, true. The, the cultural distance between the two uh, communities is about the same yes. so there is an artificiality to that argument right now in the current modern day context i feel like national ideologies have become labels and you also mentioned uh, don't label label it which is which is essentially what is happening now yeah. and you know there is a lot of labeling happening without really understanding what the ideology is so and it just makes people easier to be attacked like as as a part of a group um yeah. but are ideologies actually important and useful yeah you are perfectly right about labels and flags you know mm-hmm. currently if you look at it uh, it's almost like those labels and flags are meaningless in themselves Uh, you just like meghnad so you become a meghnadi you like yeah. nitin, you become a nitini right and then the nitini <laughs> and the meghnadis fight with each other because yes. nitin and meghnad don't like each other you know so it's it's absolutely nobody knows what nitin stands for or meghnad stands for you know it's a very to your question of whether ideologies make sense i think they do but only as moorings right they tell you you know what they give you a sort of a compass to navigate it's mm. not something which you should be tethered to like you can't say that look i'm going to be a libertarian uh, come what may or i'm going to be a nationalist come what may i'm not going to abandon these uh, dogmatic ideas which i have in my head so uh, if there are contexts if there are uh, you know uh, situations if there is new knowledge which comes and tells you that you have to change your mind you have to be ready to be change your mind to change your mind right there's no there's no merit in saying that i'm this dogmatic person who will never change his mind because right. i so firmly believe in this cause people are being labeled as as say for instance a liberal or you know whatever bhakt or jo bhi labels hai like i i do consider these ideological labels more or less um they they are forced to stay there right because if they abandon that group or label then they are called hypocrites and then that's even worse than being a part of that group of people yeah so yeah that is certainly a problem right because i think it's a symptom of people abandoning the responsibility to think for themselves hmm. now if you abandon that responsibility if you abandon that duty as a citizen and then just associate with a particular group because uh, you know you will be attacked if you leave the group hmm. or you find that there are cool people hanging out in that group and you want to belong <laughs> to that group 
yes. i think you are making a choice to say that look you you are you are abandoning your civic duty in fact i would say you are abandoning your sense of humanity right i mean mm. the idea that you are a human being different from animals is your ability to use reason mm. and if you are saying that i'm not going to use reason i'm just going to stick to my flock mm. i'm going to stick to my pack of wolves right mm. then that uh, reduces the human value of who you are does it have to be consistent to be a part of this group then consistency in terms of base values i think is useful but it's also important that when you for example take a position which is inconsistent with your uh, position hmm. or your values you ask yourself why did you change your mind right right and you explain to yourself even if i mean you might not have to explain it to the other people Uh, out there but at least to explain to yourself why did you change your mind so you had written uh, an article uh, on takshashila.org uh, what lies to the right of center in india i'm just going to read out a quote uh, i'm going to quote a paragraph from it um, it says quote uh, it is clear that what people who label themselves as right of center are against the congress party and especially the family that constitutes its apex leadership mostly they oppose its appeasement of minorities uh, especially muslims they oppose its propensity to create entitlements in the form of reservations quotas subsidies and special treatment they oppose the cronyism in the economy and political corruption in governance they oppose the pusillanimity in foreign policy there are many more but these strike me as the big ones unquote um i this is i, I think you know i have uh, seen the clearest definition of what right of center right now defines itself as uh, because all of these things even though they are all over the place some are social aspects some are economic uh, aspects some are um, you know political uh, in nature or foreign policy but they all sort of come together to form this sort of tribe would you think yeah certainly they they do uh, or rather maybe i should say certainly they can Hmm. because it's not necessary to be tribal about uh, a negative you know what these all the things which you mentioned there from my hmm. quote you know they are all negative right they are against yeah. you op- opposing a certain thing right there's no positive agenda there right hmm. so to be a tribe you actually need to actually have a positive positive agenda also right hmm. otherwise you know for example the the libertarians can be against this the nationalists can be against it the cu- cultural nationalists can be against it uh the islamists can be against it the hindutva guys can be against it you know the pope can be against it so mm. all of this uh, you can be against a lot of people can be against the same thing mm. but what is important is what is your positive agenda like what are you for that's and interesting that is something which the so called center right in india hasn't been able to define what do you actually stand for i genuinely believe that the state has to take care of the vulnerable population because there's nobody else i do not think free free markets are a thing in india at least uh, we're not there yet because uh, without a solid sort of um uh, regulatory structure around it uh, people just trust their closeness to power and authorities and then they do their business that is how businesses succeed in india so in a situation like this wouldn't you say that uh, welfare has to be done by the government i mean there will be leakages there will be problems but still largely it is benefiting no and you expect the state to do wonderful things like uh, uh, you know higher education and uh, specialized medicine and all of that right hmm. it's not it's just the, the indian state just does not have the dna to be able to do all of this really well the question is why are we ignoring the fact that there is society out there mm. and society can be empowered enabled and tasked with the 
the role of looking after its own underprivileged, its own vulnerable, its own weak, and uh, so on, right? So the and, way you define, so the way you define these uh, sort of let's call them welfare societies, um, is is uh, sort of an NGO model. Is that what you're going for? Not necessarily an NGO model, right? Mm -hmm. An NGO model, you know, my criticism about the NGO model is that it's an excuse for the incompetent state. There is a lack of institutional empathy in general across the board. Um, do you think it needs to be fixed or do you think uh, it needs to be made so that the state doesn't even need to have that empathy? See, I think institutions themselves, I look at them as black boxes. You know, they are, they are machines rather than, uh, I mean, of course, they're machines with human beings inside, but they're still machines. Mm -hmm. So uh, institutionally, I don't see, uh, you know, empathy as something which is a value that can be cultivated we have become a very uh, a, a society which lacks compassion yes know? it just absolutely lacks compassion hmm. so now why have we arrived at this stage i mean that's a big uh, kind of a complex question which people like pratap bhanumetha can answer compassion in our society does exist but it's very short lived it happens in bursts now where something happens, it becomes a topic, becomes a topic of outrage, and then people suddenly get compassionate about that one particular thing. There is this concentration of, um, in, you know, uh, cries and hues about accountability, and then it immediately dies the next day. Moving on to the next sort of things we have to be compassionate about. Um, do you think uh, that? Um, uh, radically networked societies, as you put it, um, are a product of this? instead of jumping from issue to issue week after week, we are literally jumping from issue to issue second after second, right? Yeah. Things after seconds, right? Right now you heard something, you're outraged about something. And the next second you see something else, you're outraged about that. So people are moving from outrage to outrage in like seconds and minutes or days, mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. which means that there is no, you know, the brain does just does not have the ability to reflect uh, on something and to uh, pursue a particular cause until it is actually solved. You know, it's not easy to have change in a democratic society, you know, so yeah. change a particular law to, let's say, pre prevent po uh, police brutality. It's mm. going to take five years. Absolutely. You need to have commitment for five years to go behind the cause, pursue it, follow it up, take it through the democratic system until you hit the finish line. When I read your article, uh, I think with Pranay Kothastane, uh, he has, you have written about individual liberty versus uh, public security in a radically networked society. I look at this RNS phenomenon in two ways. One is, of course, uh, this thing we spoke about, which is uh, instinctive reactions, which is very quick outrage. And this is one tribe that is sort of doing this, which is like loosely based tribe, which, which everybody sort of knows that, oh, this person will support me, that person will support me, and together we will raise this issue. And it's not like they have a meeting and decide it. It just organically happens a lot of times. Um, but then there is the other part of it, which is uh, something like the CAA protests, which we saw, right? Now, CAA protests went on for a while. Um, like, I think three months they were uh, out on the streets and doing it until, you know, of course, COVID hit. Um, uh, Shaheen Bagh would be a radically networked society. And you have also called it that at, at one point. Um, how do you look at this? these two differences? Are there differences or is it the same thing? Oh, they are uh, manifestations of the same thing. PIB has started a fact check, okay? And uh, like these people, they basically now fact check things that are putting them in trouble and saying, no, this is not true. That's it. And they don't give any reason. 
एंड देर आर लाइक सो मेनी पीपल हु जस्ट शेयर दैट थिंग अब गवर्नमेंट ने बोल दिया तो सही होगा आई मीन लाइक इट्स इट्स ऑलमोस्ट लाइक uh earlier like a few years earlier before 2014 everything that the government says has had to be doubted checked cross checked and we had to like raise doubt about them and you know just 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 a healthy mistrust i guess um now we are in a situation where everything the government is saying has to be trusted or people just insist that it has been it has to be trusted how does this work then in the current technology age then do you think the solution here might be just um critical thinking individual level critical absolutely thinking. you know yeah. critical thinking is not in the curriculum of any uh, college school hmm. board of exams hmm. so except uh, maybe liberal arts i mean uh, i have but, a, how many liberal arts places are there in the country like that's ah? true mufat khoro muft mein itnaich milega to watch the full unedited interview you have to subscribe to news laundry and pay to keep news free because on the public page the public is served We depend on you and not on advertisers. So go to www.newslaundry.com/slash-subscription and subscribe and get all our unedited interviews, our special video shows, comics, and everything that's behind the paywall. Remember to subscribe to News Laundry. You pay just about ten rupees a day. That's less than well, no, a cigarette. And smoking is injurious to health. So subscribe and watch the full interview. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.